Blog Talk Radio. Who I hope will get at least 
45 years from this, uh, as far as the sentence for this indictment. I sent the hashtag, 45 and 45 for 45. Uh, I love um, it. I love it. There you go. This indictment is what we've been waiting for, because even though it's indictment number three, um, and let's face it, you know, you need to keep the indictments coming. Connie Willis down in Georgia, come on, hit us up. Give us one for each cardinal direction. We're pagans around here. We like to have completion. Uh, you know, have one for the four corners. Um, but still, this is the big one because this is for trying to overthrow the government of the United States. Uh, because the other indictments that we've gotten thus far this year, one in New York, one in Florida, those indictments are for all things that Trump did either before or he was in office or after he left office, whether it was the shady business dealings before he got into office uh, or the bone-crunchingly stupidity of the classified documents case that we went over uh, in detail, I believe, last show. Uh, but this is for stuff that he did while in office. And while we all know that if you want to prosecute all of the crimes that Donald Trump committed while in office, I mean, just the violations of the Emoluments Clause alone to keep an enterprising grand jury busy for a couple of years. But Jack Smith is cutting the crap. He's cutting to the chase. He's going for the biggest and the worst crime, trying to overthrow the government of these United States, subvert a free and fair election, uh, mainly through a four-count, a conspiracy to defraud the United States, uh, mainly uh, through the fraudulent elector scheme, conspiracy to obstruct an official proceeding. Uh, that is, of course, is the uh, the counting of the electoral votes on January 6th. Obstruction of an attempt to obstruct an official proceeding, which you get one count for the conspiracy to do it, and then another count for trying to do it. Uh, and then finally... The, uh, a conspiracy against the rights of the citizens of the United States. Now, the fun thing is about this, this is especially satisfying. The last count that Donald Trump has been charged with here is basically trying to deprive the voters of the United States out of their right to vote and to have their vote counted by trying to reverse the results of the vote of the people of the United States. It is a law that was enacted to fight the Klan during the Reconstruction era after the Civil War and is commonly referred to as the Ku Klux Klan Act. So one of the charges that we are going to send this lump of excrement rescued from angry oranges toilet to prison for is the fucking Ku Klux Klan Act. And that is so fitting because he thought they were such very fine people in in in, in uh, early on in his administration, and he always told the Proud Boys to stand by, uh, he can now be sent to the clink with the very law meant to prosecute white nationalist scum like the Klan and Donald John Trump. Uh, and these are tight cases. You can tell, you know, that the people who wouldn't talk to the January 6th committee talked to the grand jury. They had no choice. Mike Pence knew that he could stonewall the Congress and they were not going to go for a criminal contempt uh, but against Mike Pence, but he knew that he could not stonewall Jack Smith. Uh, Mike Pence may be a religious nut, but he's a lawyer. Uh, he, he understands the law. He understands federal law, and he understands that you cannot... He tried to resist the subpoena that Jack Smith gave him in a symbolic attempt, yeah. but he came in and he talked, and you can tell he talked. He's quoted directly in the indictment. Um, and these are, you know, like I said, these are big charges. We're looking at up to 55 years of a prison sentence just on these four. Uh, the documents case is going to be icing on the cake. And the big thing is, is that this was designed to move fast. That's one thing that a lot of these legal experts are saying right now, and it's true. Uh, I've been 
hanging out with my favorite hip-hop lawyer, Ari Melber, on MSNBC, because yep. I always want to know yep. what Fat Joe or Tupac would say about a particular uh, event of the day. Uh, but it's true. Jack Smith charged Donald Trump alone in this indictment, even though he has six co-conspirators yeah. who, trust me, they're going to get charged. If they don't flip, yeah. they're going to get charged. They're just going to get charged later. This was because the more defendants you have in an indictment, the more lawyers you have, and the more reasons you have for delay. Jack Smith wants his right. case tried quickly. He wants a speedy trial, so he's focusing on Trump. The other indictments can come later. And this, by the way, is a very, very common thing. Nothing out of the ordinary with this at all. Um, but let me tell you something. This ain't no. Yeah, this ain't no Florida courtroom here. This is fucking D.C. And we could tell yeah. this during the arraignment because the arraignment judge, who is not the judge who's going to hear the case, that's going to be Justice uh, Tanya Chukin, uh, but this, the arraignment judge, basically, normally the way these things go is that after the arraignment is done, after the charges are explained and a plea is entered, then usually the arraignment judge will say, okay, you know what, we're going to come back in 30 days and we're going to have a hearing where we're going to compare calendars and start the process of talking about when to schedule this trial. That didn't happen here. What happened was the magistrate judge said that the government shall, in seven days, submit a brief for when they want the trial to be held. And then seven days after that, 14 days from yesterday, no later than, the defense counsel shall submit a brief saying when they think when they think that the trial date should be. And they'll ha- and then the uh, the actual judge, Judge uh, Chuton, is going to have meet on the twenty eighth and they yeah. are going to set a trial date. Now this Set right. Trump lawyers into a tizzy. They clearly were not expecting this. Uh, they tried to argue and say, oh, my God, with the amount of discovery, uh, there's no way that we can be ready in time. Of course, one of the problems that these lawyers have is that they've just spent the last week or so ever since this indictment was announced or was rumored to be. And ever, and ever since it came out, they've been out there saying, why is the government waiting two and a half years to charge him? This is obviously right. to coincide with the election. They took way too long right. to charge him. And so now they're saying all of a sudden that they don't have time to do it. Well, the judge, get, the judge saw right through that. There's, you know, you can't well. say the government took their time and then say they're trying to rush you. Uh, and so every time yeah. the Trump lawyers would raise an objection, the, 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 uh, the, the, the judge who was doing the, uh, the, the court hearing yesterday would just say, nevertheless, you shall, no later than seven days after the government submits their brief, you shall submit your counter brief to this. In other words, okay. there's no fucking around. This is going to happen the way that the judges say it's going to happen. People can file their briefs. They can make their arguments. Everything's going to get a hearing. But Jack Smith wants a speedy trial. And this ju- and the uh, trial judge appears ready to give him that speedy trial. Uh, and uh, people, uh, there are several very uh, very knowledgeable legal minds that I've seen saying that they're estimating that this trial date is probably going to be set for January or February. So literally, we could yeah. see in now January is when the Republicans are going to hold the Iowa caucuses for their party. Um, right. And they bump that up because they want to make sure that they, they can still get that in there first. Uh, but we we'll, we could very well see within days of each other uh, the Iowa caucuses and then Donald Trump's trial for trying to overthrow the government. Uh, and, and this is going to go quick. Uh, this, you know, uh, we're not going to see – the government's not going to ask for a uh, a, a, a really uh, a, a later date than others uh, like they did in the Florida thing, uh, which 
right now is due to go. Uh, the classified documents case, I believe, is ready to go on May 24th. So basically, Judge Trukin is going to want to schedule this trial to make sure it can be over well before the classified documents trial begins, of course, to allow Trump's legal counsel to reset for that trial, whoever that legal counsel might be at the time. Um, so, wow. yeah, it, we've been waiting, folks, but there's a reason why the D.C. Circuit is known as the rocket docket. They move fast. And, oh, by the way, the judge is an Obama appointee. Uh, she is known for being a very uh, no-nonsense judge, along with the no-nonsense prosecutor in Jack, have my baby Smith. Uh, but she has, the, one thing know, the one thing to know about Judge Chukin is that she has consistently handed down sentences stronger than what the government's been asking for in January 6 cases. Being in the DC wow. in the DC district. Judge Chicken has presided over several January 6th trials for people who are just charged with various crimes with the assault on the Capitol. And a lot of people have been complaining that the government hasn't been asking for stiff enough sentences for these people. Judge Chicken has been right. not being excessive, not like doubling or tripling, but if the government asks for 18 months, she's been given 24 months, that kind of thing, just because she views the crimes that they're being convicted of warrant a stiffer sentence than the DOJ has been asking for. So as, as excited as little Donnie may have been about having Judge Cannon in Florida, uh, his finger uh, tightened up three sizes that day when he found out that Tanya Chuchin was going to be the judge in D.C. They're going to try for a change of venue. They're not going to get it. So, uh, Buckle up, folks. Pop the popcorn, pour the drink. It's going to be a fun winter. Is there any possible way for him to have to, or is there any possible way, rather, for him to be able to get a different judge on the case? That is incredibly unlikely uh, because of the fact that they would have to show that this judge had some clear bias uh, against the defendant. And the thing about Judge Shukin is that she is also known for being incredibly fair. No nonsense, right. but fair. She's not showy. She doesn't dance around things. Uh, and the fact that she was confirmed as a federal judge by a vote of 95 to nothing, inclu- you know, wow. uh, by a Senate that had lots of Republicans and every Republican who was present that day voted yes on her. So, and all the Republicans saw her confirmation hearings. It's very difficult to make that kind of case, uh, even in the best of of circumstances for a defendant. And in here, it's just going to be more bullshit posturing. And again, it appears that the other judges in the circuit are prepared to make sure that things get handled quickly. So any motions that are filed, any suits that are filed like this are going to be decided very quickly. We are going to see this thing adjudicated uh, before spring equinox. Yay! Oh. oh. So, <laughs> realistically speaking, and I, I mean, listen, we the schadenfreude happening is just all too real, and I admit it. And I can't help it, nor would I if I could in this particular instance. But how much real jail time, real jail time is possible? You know, we're talking about sentencing, but, you know, there's always the appeals. There's always the lighter sentencing where they negotiate down. Is there a possibility for a plea deal? What do you think? The thing is, Jack Smith is not going to take any plea deal that doesn't include jail. He is not going to accept anything that doesn't involve some time because of the severity of the charges, because of the deaths involved with the assault on the Capitol. Um, There's a million reasons. Now, you know, would he take a thing where Trump gets five years instead of 50? I don't know that. I really don't know. 
I got to say, anything over two or three years, I think, would be a life sentence for this guy. Because let's face it, he's not healthy. And if he's ever actually made to take responsibility for something that he's done wrong once in his life, I really don't know how long he would last after that. Uh, But the thing is, is that after this, we've got the classified documents case coming. And that is something that historically always gets jail time. And that case is really open and shut. There is really little to no way that the only way that Donald Trump is going to get out of the classified documents case because he was so monumentally stupid about it is the whole idea of getting elected president and self-pardoning, which actually even conservative people are saying that even this Supreme Court would probably strike down, by the way. None of them want to allow a president to be placed above the Supreme Court, even one they like. Right. And, uh, right. and by allowing a president to self-pardon themselves, uh, that is literally putting the presidency above everything in the government. Um, but literally, the, the, the classified documents case is so open and shut. Uh, he has no prayer of beating that. And the intelligence community is well known for always demanding jail time. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned this mm-hmm. before, but there was a case, I can't remember the name of the person, but there's a case I read about years ago about a guy who worked uh, in, with sensitive documents who got blackmailed by threats on his family's life uh, to share a document with a foreign government. And he did that. And the government, even though he, he confessed, he gave all the information. He got the spies uh, who hired him, arrested. One went to jail. Another got tossed out of the country. And the plea deal that he got is that he only got a couple of years in prison. So um, that was his big break. Instead of getting 20 years, he got a couple of years. But he still had that time in prison because the, the guardian of classified uh, documents is not considered to be a joke within the government, and any violation of the Espionage Act has to result in jail time, or else they really don't think that there's any deterrent for the, to keep the next guy from doing it. Um, so, you know, there's going to be jail time with these sentences. Uh, and, oh, I right. can tell you the, the most wonderful thing. Um, that oh. Yes, because, again, I think Donald Trump is trying to test uh, uh, because remember when he said you're gonna, there's gonna be so much winning, you're gonna get tired of winning. Um, yes. I think he tried to test all the Democrats and the progressives and the actual patriotic Americans to see if we're tired of winning yet. Because right after the arraignment, uh, one of one of Trump's lawyers, his main lawyer, who represented him in the case yesterday, I think his name's Lasso, um, or Lasso, this guy goes on Fox. and confesses, basically speaking on behalf of his client, confesses for his client to one of the four counts that he was just uh, arraigned on yesterday. He literally confessed to one of the charges on Fox News. Because this is, because the thing is that the Trump strategy still seems to be Try this in the court of public opinion. Try to get public opinion on your side. And this lawyer was saying, look, all the president wanted to do, he didn't want Mike Pence to throw the votes out, yada, yada, yada. All the president wanted to do was to have a 10-day delay to allow the individual state legislatures to finish their probes and to go from there to recertify or whatever. The problem is there's a law called the Electoral Count Act, the ECT, and this is a federal law. And this states exactly how the electoral votes are counted, the procedure, the exact number of days after the election, why it was on January 6th was because of stipulations in the Electoral Count Act. And by suggesting, by trying to get a 10-day delay, that is a felony. 
because any subversion of the Electoral Count Act, any attempt to change the course of the counting of electoral votes is a felony. And Donald Trump's lawyers knew this. One of the chief bastards who I really hope gets thrown into a hole just as deep as Donald Trump, a guy named Jeffrey Clark, even admitted so in an email to Vice President Mike Pence. Now, by the way, folks, the, the, the conspiracy to uh, steal the election continued after the violence on January 6th was over. The last act in this conspiracy happened at 11.44 p.m. that night when Jeffrey Clark, on behalf of Donald Trump, emailed Mike Pence and said that uh, at this time we feel that it would be best to do the relatively minor violation of the ECT of sending the of having a 10-day delay so that the state legislatures can decide whether or not they want to recertify the results or not. When he, 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 he acknowledged in that email that it was a violation. He tried to say it was a minor one, but it was a violation right. of the Electoral Count Act, ECA. And, that's, and so right there, by the lawyer going out and saying all the president wanted was a 10-day delay, that's confessing yep. to the attempt to interfere with an official proceeding. And, he, and this lawyer did it not only once, he did it twice last night. He did it on Fox, and then he turned around and did the exact same fucking thing on Newsmax. And let me tell you something, folks. Those statements by Trump's lawyer, since he was speaking as Donald Trump's lawyer, are admissible in a court of law. Jury and say that Donald Trump, through his attorney, has already confessed to one of the counts on this indictment. And he can play the videotape of this lawyer doing just that. And I don't think the lawyer's going to get fired for this. I think this is a public strategy to try to help them with the election. And also the fact that Trump is running out of fucking lawyers. Uh, so he can't really... Right. I mean, the guy he got is normally rather not a bad lawyer. All the people who know this guy say he's a reasonably competent guy. He's just in way over his head. He's never had a case this big because anybody who can try a case, who can defend a case this big, won't touch it with a ten-foot fucking pole. So yes, so we already have right. a confession on one of the three counts. Now we just got to get a conviction on all four. Wow, unbelievable. Un-fucking-believable. <laughs> so, but you know, of course, that the minute this strategy does not work, uh, Trump's going to say something horrible about this guy. That's baked in the cake. The, guy, the lawyer must know this, that this is Trump's whole M.O. You know, he's oh, yeah. with you in the court of public opinion, but the minute it's not popular and the minute people start saying, dude, you just admitted that your, your client is guilty, um, they're going to try to twist it up. Trump's going to say he's incompetent because Trump does this with everybody, which is why he keeps going through lawyers. He sends them out like lambs to the slaughter. And when they don't get the expected reaction that Trump thinks they should, um, he fires them and tries to slap a new one in. I can't even remember how many lawyers he has gone through. Speaking of lawyers and going through them, how do you think Rudy Giuliani's faring right now as co-conspirator number one? Uh, well, here's something to remember, too, when it comes to Trump and lawyers. Five out of the six co-conspirators are attorneys. So MAGA really doesn't make, <laughs> make attorneys get attorneys. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> I think Rudy's going to flip. I think Rudy's going to flip. I think, I think that it's gotten serious now. Um, the thing about Rudy is that he's always looked out for number one. And all of the slobbering fealty that he's had to Donald Trump, he saw as a means to an end. I think he wanted uh, to be on the inner circle of Donald Trump so that if Donald Trump could actually pull off staying in office, that Rudy was going to get a very plumb, you know, easy, you know, a job that he can grift and use corruption to make himself the billionaire that Donald Trump always wanted to be. 
but Rudy is a self-promoter. He's always been looking out for number one. Um, in fact, you know, James Comey, he used to work with Rudy Giuliani. He used to say that if anybody was feeling depressed and wanted to commit suicide, all they'd have to do is stand between Rudy and some news cameras. And uh, he would run right over <laughs> them to get to the news cameras. Um, so I think Rudy's going to flip. He, he went in with a proper agreement, uh, under a proper uh-huh. agreement to give what he had to Jack Smith to see what kind of deal he could get. I think they're still negotiating now. Because, you know, that's another reason why you don't see these other co-conspirators on this indictment. Once you indict them, uh, you really need to stick to it. Uh, if someone wants to cut a deal, they're going to have to do it before they're named in the indictment. And so mm-hmm. it's going to be interesting to see once indictments start rolling out for these co-conspirators, the people who get charged the lightest, if, if any of these indictments roll out before the trial begins, the ones who have the fewest counts on their indictments are the ones who are probably going to be testifying against Trump. I don't think any of these lawyers are going to be avo- able to avoid at least some time. But, it, I mean, Rudy, the thing is, is that a lot of this is centered on the fraudulent electors. Uh, that's a big part of this. And Rudy uh, and... Um, uh, Eastman, Rudy and uh, Eastman. Those those two yeah. were really right at the center of the entire fraudulent electric scheme. If Rudy flips and testifies about the entire fraudulent electric scheme and all of Trump's role in it, uh, Trump's cooked because especially the way that Rudy's been such a loyal foot soldier. Um, he's got to be, he, you know, he's sweating hair dye. He hasn't even put on his head yet. So to tell you the truth, because uh-huh. Rudy used to work. He was a federal prosecutor in the Southern District of New York. He sees the way this is going. He's seen this happen right. before. And it never ends well for the people who are on the wrong side of an indictment like this, especially with somebody like Jack Smith, who has prosecuted heads of state on an international scale before he is not intimidated. Uh, and also, right. Rudy's going to have a certain amount of cover that he hasn't had before, and I'll tell you why. The arraignment judge, okay. uh, the arraignment judge, added something to get it on the record that is really going to be one of the first things to come back and sting Donald Trump in the ass. Because whenever you get released uh, after an arraignment and you're not remanded to custody, whenever you get to go home and you don't have to wait in jail for your for your trial, uh, they always say things like, uh, "You are enjoy. You do not break." any local, state, or federal laws between now and your trial. And if you do, you could wind up seeing yourself right back in here and possibly remanded to custody until your trial date. And that's standard. That's said to every single person before they walk out those doors uh, of the court. But this judge added a caveat and said, I would like to remind you that attempting to intimidate a witness or tamper with a jury are both illegal acts. And by saying that in open court and getting that on the record, if Rudy winds up being a witness against Donald Trump and Donald Trump starts saying he's a scumbag, he's a rat, he's a yada, 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 boom, right back in court, witness intimidation, and he might get one chance, but if he says it twice, and you know he'll say it twice, because he cannot no, shut he up. You can see his ass with a fucking ankle bracelet. You can see his ass remanded to custody. These DC judges are not fucking around. They are going to, you know, he's going to get, he's already gotten considerations that ordinary people wouldn't get. Okay? He's not, he didn't have to post bond. He didn't have to give, you know, uh, 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 even an IOU to go out. He didn't have to surrender his passport. He didn't have to do a lot of the things that are normally done when somebody's arraigned. Um, Why? So he's already gotten some special Why? treatment for being a political figure. But if he goes okay. and does his his average uh, dumbass neo John Gotti mob boss bullshit, you better believe that Judge Dukin is going to have his ass in front of her in court 
And it's like you say, give me one good reason why I shouldn't throw you in jail for this. Because he was warned. And once, and there's no way you can say you didn't realize. No, you've been warned. So imagine this. Donald Trump is going to have to go for how many months without saying anything bad about the people who are going to testify against him. Never happened. It'll he never happen. Never will. He may blow a blood vessel and keel over uh, long before the trial date just from the effort to keep from getting tossed in jail. But this is real now. That's the hell of it. You know, Donald Trump showed up at the courthouse yesterday. He had no family. He had no entourage. He hardly right. had any protesters there. Uh, he is really? really more and more on his own on this and feels on his own in a way that has never really happened before. Um, let me tell you, you know, and it, it's getting really real now. And there's a whole lot of things going on right now that are making things even worse for Donald Trump in the next election. Um, because not only okay. is he not going to have the vote to be able to win, he'll win the Republican nomination um, because the party has disappeared. Uh, the good people right. have left, and all that's left are the racists and the grifters and the religious nutjobs, uh, the ones who don't care. I mean, literally, 22% of Republicans who think that he did something seriously wrong are also planning on voting for him in the primary. So they really don't care. Uh, but the thing is, is that party is shrinking to such an in- infinitesimal ghost of what it once was. Uh, and the numbers really? that are going to be erased, oh, the, the, um, the thing is, is that all of the statistics that we have to judge the strength of a party or people who are going to vote in these parties, are all methods that miss tens of millions of people who can easily play a role in this campaign. Because the thing is, is that Republican Party of ident- uh, affiliation, and the, the number of people identifying as Republican, uh, yeah. two years ago, okay, two or even, I think at the end of Donald Trump's thing, before January 6th, the number of Republic, people who identify as Republicans in this country is 22%. Now, Democrats are only at about 30%, so it's not like they've got that many more. But the thing is, is that those right. are old numbers, and it's not just that they're a few years old, but they're also old numbers because the way that we find out what percentage of people identify as what is usually through telephone polling. The problem with telephone polling is that it's missing huge chunks of millennial and Gen Z voters. And, folks, don't let the media narrative uh, throw you. Uh, Millennials are not kids anymore. The old millennials are approaching 40. Um, They're all out out of school and college age. Four million Gen Z people who are not eligible to vote in the last midterm last year are going to be eligible to vote in next year's election. And unlike last past generations, Gen Z is voting in numbers that we have never seen before. Political scientists have never seen before. But the thing is, none of these people, the younger millennials or the Gen Z people, they don't have landlines. And even when you have the occasional polling firm that will call cell phones, these people don't answer unrecognized numbers. They don't. They let them go to voicemail. You know, my daughter is going to be old enough to vote in next year's election. Both of my children are going to be, whoo, that's something to think about. Both my kids are going to be old enough to vote in next year's election. Neither one of them have ever answered, neither one of them have ever answered a phone call from a number that they didn't recognize. So, and they're not uncommon. So we really have no idea uh, as to how many people genuinely identify as Democrats and Republicans these days. But I can tell you this, in the midterm elections, uh, Gen Z voters broke better than two to one for the Democrats because they understand these are kids that grew up 
under under Donald Trump. I mean, you think about this, uh, 2016 was damn near, that was seven years ago. Uh, my daughter was 10 seven years ago. Uh, <laughs> my son was, my, 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 you know, my son was 12 getting ready to be 13 seven years ago. Um, so these kids have grown up knowing what happens when people vote third party or when people don't vote. They've grown up with the, with the, with the reality of it. They've seen the results. All the, all the older hipsters who try to say, yeah, the parties are the same, and you're all bound down to the same corporate masters, and yeah, I'm trying to make it sound like a constipated Cartman. But anyway, mm-hmm. they hear these people and go, what the fuck drugs did you guys take in the 90s? Jesus Christ. You know, right. yeah, vote, yeah. Your, vote your idealism in the primaries, but vote against the Nazi in general. It's, you know, it's not exactly. rocket science. And the thing is, exactly. when you think about this, four million in two years, you're talking eight million Generation Z members are eligible to vote in the 2024 election who are not eligible in the 2020 election, and my kids are two of them. But you've got eight million, and they're they're taking part at rates of 30, 35 percent, way above the 10 or 11 percent that the 18 to 29 demographic used to do before Chen Z and before Donald Trump. Uh, and when yeah. you consider that they're breaking uh, something like 70-30 for the Democrats, uh, the idea that the polls that are coming out right now are even close to accurate or bullshit, I've told you this the entire time I've been on the show with you. General election yeah. polls before the primaries have even started are never accurate. I believe in, uh, in I think in 2016 around this time, Scott Walker was one of the favorites uh, to win, or maybe that was 2012. But still, you know, Scott Walker, most people go, who? Uh, he was the favorite to win at right. this time in the past election cycle. Um, so, you know, but of course the traditional media needs to have their horse race. They need to get people tuning in whenever Donald Trump doesn't have a court date. Uh, So they keep up with the horse race, the neck and neck shit. The thing is, is that the next election, we still got to stay engaged. We still got to vote because no matter what the the presidency is, we still got to make sure we take the House back over. We've got to widen our lead in the Senate. And by the way, I don't think it's going to be a problem. There are some big problems in Republican land that, uh, oh, boy. Um, but, you know, just in case, but, guys, this, you know, stay motivated. Don't clench your sphincters. Don't, no matter what the polls say, because remember, 8 million people who can vote next year who couldn't vote four years ago, almost none of them yeah. are represented in those polls. And all those polls that showed a red wave, that didn't account for the young millennials and Gen Z, and look what happened. The red wave became a couple of trickles, and the, the Democrats even got to keep the Senate. So that's the power of Gen Z and younger millennials, uh, and polling is going to have to go a really long way before it catches up yeah. with the new generation of voters. But the Republican Party is falling apart, people. While we're all watching Donnie get measured for his orange jumpsuit, the Republican Party's falling apart. Of the Minnesota Republican Party, literally has fifty-three dollars cash on hand right now. I'm not joking. It costs more to buy an Xbox wow. game than, than the, the the Minnesota Republican Party could not afford to buy the new Gears of War when it comes out. Okay, uh, because they don't have enough money. They have three hundred thousand dollars in debt. Um, they are looking yeah. to cancel their primary because they can't afford to put it on. Uh, Arizona, right. they are down to $100,000, and that disappears in a heartbeat in election season. Uh, there, are, there are four different state parties for the Republicans that are teetering on the brink of collapse. Why? Because all the money is being raised by Donald Trump. Almost none of it is going to traditional Republicans. And Donald Trump's PAC that takes all this money in has spent $40 million on Donald Trump's legal bills so far this year. And that is not right. ending. That is only expanding.
expanding the, the money pit that Donald Trump's legal fees are. So the Republican Party isn't even going to be able to mount a get-out-the-vote effort. And I estimate, because of lack of funds, I'm thinking there's probably going to be six or seven states, including two or three swing states, that they can't afford to lose, that they're barely going to be able to fund a get-out-the-vote effort because Donald Trump is soaking up every fucking dime there is in the Republican Party. So Donald Trump is still popular with rank-and-file Republicans, the few that are left, but that is spelling doom for the rest of the party. Mm -hmm. If things don't change, we're probably looking at a – we're probably looking at like a 59-seat majority in the Senate minimum, and all we need is 51 to get rid of the filibuster, and we'll retake the House. Uh, So once we have that and four more years for Joe – uh, the party is going to just completely fly apart. They have nobody left. The, every era parent has, uh, they've barely been able to take their lips off of Donald Trump's ass long enough to say anything about him in the campaign. Uh, Mike Pence and Chris Christie are trying to make noises about Donald Trump now, but those two both have about the same chance of, uh, of winning the Republican nomination as Andrew Tate uh, has a being nominated person of the year by the National Organization for Women. So uh-huh. um, this party is just collapsing, folks, before our eyes. And so pop the motherfucker popcorn because I got free TV. I can dial up MSNBC whenever I want. And you better believe that I've got all of my favorite people on the DVR because we're going to have a very fun fall, folks. This is This is... It's only going to get better from here. Uh, uh, let me say what this, this, I, I love this. I love this because the Republicans are so, so falling apart. Did you hear about what happened with Eric Swalwell and Kevin McCarthy? No, oh, no I did not. This is Uh-oh. so funny because Kevin McCarthy was basically sucking Donald Trump's cock again. Um, and yeah. Donald's not even his type, which is the most tragic thing about it. But the thing is, is that uh, Eric Swalwell said that Kevin McCarthy looked really weak. And that made Kevin McCarthy mad. And Kevin McCarthy goes up to Eric Swalwell. They're waiting for the prime minister of India to come out and address Congress. And McCarthy walks up to Swalwell and said, uh, and basically Swalwell called him a pussy to their their cohorts in Congress. And Kevin McCarthy comes up to him, gets right in Swallow's face, and says, listen, if you call me a pussy one more time, there's going to be trouble. And Eric Swallow looked him dead in the eye and said, you are a pussy. And McCarthy Are you serious? Yes. This happened on the floor of the Congress. Eric Swallow, after that encounter, went into the – he tried to go to the bathroom at the time. First Swallow is trying to go to the bathroom, and he gets stopped by McCarthy. They have this exchange. Swallow walks into the restroom, runs into the prime minister of India there. So after that, he gets to wish the guy a nice speech, and his day was just completely weird. But, yes, that is how it has gotten in the halls of Congress. Kevin McCarthy threatening to kick people's asses. If they call him a name, people call him that name right back to his face, and him just walking away. That is the Republican Party in 2023. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I'm, not and, and I I'm not tired. <laughs> I'm not tired either. I, I, I think all this winning is actually making me feel good. So, you know, not for nothing, but, and that's a great story, and I can't wait to read it because I'm going to go find it and read it, because it'll just make me feel good. But um, Mitch McConnell's not looking so good these days. Apparently, Mitch is having a lot of trouble keeping his balance. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, just like a turtle that got rolled on his back, he's having trouble uh, getting around. The thing is, is that he had a bad fall, and he had a concussion. And the thing about McConnell is that it's just the classic grifter's uh, dilemma. He stayed in. The guy's made millions of dollars during his time as a senator. 
with no real way of showing how he got the money, so you know it's pretty goddamn dishonest. But uh, now he's getting to the point where, of course, I, a lot of us saw the clip of him giving remarks to the press in his uh, general uh, Timmy the Turtle voice. Uh, Moscow Mitch just kind of trailed off and had to go away and collect himself to come back before he could finish up again. Um, and it's literally the point where this guy has spent his entire adult life drifting and uh, being a force of evil just to try to make money. And now it looks like his health is going to fail and he's really not going to have much time to enjoy his money. It looks like Elaine is uh, going to get to do the Jackie Kennedy thing. Uh, but, yeah, Mitch isn't mm-hmm. looking good. And that is also going to lead uh, – you watch. There are MAGA senators who want to kiss the ass of the base of the party. The base of the party hates Mitch McConnell. They despise him. Um, you're, there are going to be leadership struggles within the Senate, uh, the Senate caucus. Uh, just wait for things to go south for the Republicans in a major way, uh, especially after they fail – to have a government shutdown at the end of September because there's already ways that the Democrats are, are, are machineering to make sure that that doesn't happen. Uh, I have a feeling that before the primary season's done, we're going to see serious challenges to Republican leadership in both the House and the Senate. Uh, the House because it's Kevin McCarthy and everybody likes to beat him up and take his lunch money, and the Senate because there are senators with legitimate concerns about Mitch McConnell's ability to really lead the caucus. And if there was ever a time that uh, corporate Republicans needed somebody to kind of, you know, give them the reassurance that there was somebody able to steer the ship of the corporate ring of the Republican Party, it's now. But it's not going to be Mitch McConnell. Um, I think think they may wind up turning to uh, Mitt Romney next. I wouldn't be surprised if Mitch McConnell decides that he has to leave for health reasons or he just peels over. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if you saw Mitt Romney uh, get maneuvered into leadership. Uh, of course, he's one of the biggest never-Trumpers in the entire Republican yeah. Party, which is going to cause Donald right. Trump to go on the war path. But Mitt Romney's really one of the only people acceptable to the moneyed interests anymore. Uh, and they're still, let's face it, the corporate Republicans are still calling the show on the uh, Republican caucus in the Senate. They've lost the House, but the corporate Republicans are still running the show in the Senate. Really? Well, oh, yeah. I mean, you know, you hear you hear the the Lauren Boberts and the Marjorie Taylor Greens of politics just screaming and freaking out, and you know, I guess their 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 sway is not what it used to be, or is it? Well, take up, and, and that's important. I'm glad you brought up uh, the, 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 the Barbie twist because Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert, take a look at these two. They hate each other. They're at each other's throats. And Lauren Boebert got MTG kicked out of the Freedom Caucus for fuck's sake. Uh, so, uh, and, and, why, and what was the thing that set these two off? The fact that they were arguing over who would get to introduce impeachment resolutions against Joe Biden. They were arguing over who could be the bigger right-wing whack job. That is why they fell out, and that is why they are in open warfare against each other. I've been saying for years that once the Republican Party realizes that it is permanently locked out of power in the Congress and in the presidency, and 2024, I'm predicting, is going to be the year that that uh, realization starts to sink in because they're going to get their asses handed to them next year. Then instead of trying to find a way to come back, they're going to devolve into arguing uh, because just like Lauren Boebert and Marjorie Taylor Greene can't decide on who's the bigger right-wing asshole trying to waste people's time and money, you're going to get the racists who are upset against the religious nut jobs. And then you're going to get the homophobes who think the racists are focusing on, on, on brown people too much instead of gay people. And the racists are going to think that the homophobes are misplaced because, you know, uh, because they're not focusing enough on oppressing brown people. 
the religious whack jobs are going to say that they're forgetting to oppress women in all of this. And the, you're going to see the party fracture. It's going to take a few years. They're going to have to get slacked in a few more national elections. But I really think after the first term is over by the next Democratic president after Joe Biden, after the, you know, I'm thinking about the, uh, the 2032 election, the person who takes over for Joe could very well see um, who knows running against them. There may not be a Republican Party left by that point. Uh, and I don't think it's going to take long for the realignment to happen. We're already seeing it happen with people like Joe Manchin who are trying to do the whole no labels thing, uh, try desperately to keep the status quo in, in, in power for a while longer and prop up the Republicans. But you can see what's going to happen. Once the Republican Party flies apart uh, and the uh, specter of a fascist party is out of the picture, then you're going to have the corporate Dems like Joe Manchin uh, join up with the corporate Republicans, uh, the, the refugees from that uh, situation, to form a new middle right party. Uh, it'll be more of, you know, it'll be a genuine middle right party, uh, a pro, you know, not so racist and sexist and homophobic, more just greedy and tax averse uh, versus the progressives right. and the liberals. The, the Democrats will split into two. So what's left of the Republican party will join with the uh, old democratic centrists and the MAGA, the MAGA people are going to fracture into about five or six different parties. First they'll fracture the two and then there'll be four and then it'll just be a clown show. So uh, I don't, I, you know, I, I think it's going to happen within our lifetime. That's what I'm predicting right okay. now. Uh, and I really think that this is going to be the last seriously contested election under the current two-party system. Wow. That's a there's not going to be a party left for 2028. So, yeah, there's not going to be a Republican party left for 2028. They'll nominate somebody, and they'll go through the motions. Right. But it'll be a regional right. Southern candidate who might be might, might win Mississippi and Louisiana in 28. But um, things go the way that they're going right now, and the Republican Party continues to fall apart. Uh, you're going to see uh, Texas turn blue in 2028. Duh. Really? Yeah, because already they're going in there. Once the Democrats are in control in Congress, and we've got uh, and we've got a Democratic president, they're going to pass real voting reform, voting rights act. A lot of the voter suppression uh, tactics that are going on in Texas are going to become against the law on a federal level, uh, and then the urban areas are going to rule. And the, where, where most of the population is in Texas are in Dallas and Houston and Austin, and those three cities are overwhelmingly Democratic. If, we, if it wasn't for voter suppression, tech, once, wow. the, once we get a majority in both houses and, a, and Joe for four more years, the Democrats are going are gonna to pass legislation. They're going to get rid of the filibuster so it can't be blocked. Joe's going to sign it, and we're going to get real voting reform, which is going to start to unravel the way that much of the party has been occupied by a minority faction for the past few decades. Wow. Holy crap. Well, Talison, this has been an amazing hour, but we are almost out of time. So you've got to do all of your promoting stuff. So take it away, my friend. Right. Well, folks, look me up on Threads. I am Talison Govannon on Threads. I'm nearing 3,000 followers. So come there. He's a 3,000 follower. You can also find me on Facebook, TalisonG.com, always. Whenever I have something new out, I will announce it there. And also when I start to release the short stories on Kindle Vela, uh, the next book in the Sorceress Saga, or any of my podcasts, I'll let Raina know. She can let all of y'all yep. know through uh, Desperate House, yep. which is social media. Uh, and uh, this is going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to the political podcast. Lots of snark. Lots of and I am going to be busy. We're all going to be busy. Pop the popcorn. Yep. And I will see all you folks next month. Same bad time, same bad station. Goodbye, my friends. See you next month.
All right, guys, that's it for this week. Have a wonderful weekend, and I will see you next week with Nathan Hall. We're going to talk about his book, uh, Path of the Moonlit Hedge, Discovering the Magic of Animistic Witchcraft. Very excited about that. I will see you next week. Have a good one.